Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs. We have a very special guest this week. Josh Hawley is our Attorney General in the state of Missouri, and he is running for the U.S. Senate seat that is currently held by Claire McCaskill. And he is running as the challenger to her in this uh, November election. We're going to sit down with him and talk about some of the issues that are really important to rural Missourians, and as well as hear a little bit about his background and where he came from. So let's get started. Our guest today is Attorney General Josh Hawley, who is running for the United States Senate seat here in Missouri. And Josh, it's great to see you today. It's uh, been a long time since we've first got to know each other and appreciate the opportunity to have a chance to sit down and talk to you about the race. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, It is actually kind of interesting the way that we originally met about, I'd say it's been five or six years ago probably, uh, that mutual friend of ours, Bob Bailey from the Mizzou Law School, just said, hey, there's a guy that is teaching at the law school now that I think you'd really like to meet and is really interested in getting involved in politics someday. And um, so he introduced me to you and Aaron, and I've uh, had the opportunity to get to know you both pretty well over the, the past few years. And Really excited that you've ended up getting involved in Missouri politics. Well, thank you so much. It's a, it's a crazy adventure that we're on now, but uh, we are just over a month to go in this election, which I honestly think is probably the most important Senate election in the country this year because this race is going to determine control of the U.S. Senate. Absolutely. And we are very excited that you're the the person that Missouri Farm Bureau has endorsed. Uh, it's been, a, I don't know, what's been a month or two um, since we had our endorsement session, and uh, our delegates voted 93% to endorse your candidacy, um, which was pretty overwhelming to see. But I think that that shows just uh, how they felt that they've been uh, – been been represented over the past few years. Well, it, it, it's a tremendous honor for me to have the support of the Farm Bureau. And of course, as somebody who comes from an ag background himself, I mean, you you know my family, actually, on both sides, actually, my wife uh, is uh, comes from a cattle ranching family. Uh, they're still ranching. And uh, my own family, my mother's whole side of the family are farmers. And so I uh, spent my uh, summers, and not just my summers, but uh, many, many, many a day and week uh, on my grandfather's uh, farm. Uh, that was out in uh, uh, northern Kansas where my mother grew up. And, you know, I was just thinking about that earlier today. I mean, that is where I learned to hunt. It's where I learned to fish. It's where I learned how to handle a knife. And I was just thinking when I was, one of my earliest memories with my grandpa is learning how to lace up work boots. You know, I was thinking <laughs> that, that had skill. to have been when I was four or five years old because uh-huh. it's a really early memory. And I still remember him showing me how to cross over the laces. And uh, we were out there uh, in the field and him showing me how to do it. And it's obviously uh, something that's been very, very significant to me. And uh, getting the chance to represent Missouri farmers is a, is a real honor. Well, and you mentioned your wife, Erin, uh, was involved in ranching quite a bit. And wasn't she a rodeo champion? You know, her father was the National Collegiate Saddle Bronc. Wow. Uh, champion. Yeah, exactly. Our little boys, we've got two little boys at home, five and three, and I have to say I have not told them about that because I'm a little bit worried <laughs> about where this that, might go. They might get involved yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, you know, it's a, a, her family uh, in the cattle uh, cattle ranching for a century now, as long as my family has been in farming. And so, uh, you know, we've got both sides of my family, uh, uh, corn, soybeans, 
wheat, some Milo, and then her family cattle ranching. And, and uh, you know, it's just uh, we are incredibly proud of, the, of our agriculture roots and background. And uh, as I say, incredibly proud to get to represent our farmers. Wonderful. Well, and you've been representing us for almost two years now as the attorney general of the state. Um, that, I know, is uh, something that your heart was really into. And uh, you were approached by a lot of people to run for the Senate seat. And I know it took some time. Uh, you were reluctant to, to get involved in initially uh, before thinking it through, and, and I know praying on it quite a bit. But what did make you ultimately decide that this is the right move? Well, I just think that it's a critical time for our country, and I think that our way of life is at stake. And, and now you see that uh, not just the United States Senate, uh, you, you see that the future of the country is at stake, and it's going to come down to this race. And that's ultimately when Aaron and I decided last fall that this is something we felt led to do, though we certainly had not planned on it. Uh, it was because of this. It's mm-hmm. because we thought that we are, we are at a moment when our way of life, our, the way of life defined by our farms and our families, our schools and our communities, our churches, that way of life is under threat. And I think you just look at what's going on in D.C., just look what's been going on the last few weeks uh, and days with this nomination of Brett Kavanaugh, the incredible, disgraceful, shameful circus that this has turned into, that the liberal Democrats have turned this into. This is nothing less than a wholesale attack Mm -hmm. on our way of life, on what our voters want, uh, on who we are, and uh, this has got to be stopped. Well, that was actually what I was going to ask is, um, given the things that we've seen on TV over the past few days, uh, a lot of people are saying, who would ever want to go into public service after seeing that? You know, I mean, look, it, it is, it's an incredible disgrace what has happened in Washington, D.C. It's a disgrace what the Democrats have done to this nomination process and what they've done to a good man. They've tried to smear this man. They have tried to destroy this process. Uh, they have, uh, and they've used and abused everybody they can in the process. You know, Dr. Ford, they've used her uh, to further their political gain. And let's be honest, here's what it's about. It's never been about Brett Kavanaugh, never. Mm-hmm. It has never been about the truth. It has always been about power. It has always been about getting control of the U.S. Senate and of Congress and overturning the results of the 2016 election, which is why I say at the end of the day, it's not even about President Trump. It's ultimately about us. It's about we the people. It's about the fact that Claire McCaskill and her liberal allies refuse to acknowledge and accept the results of a Democratic election. They refuse to. And now they are hell-bent on overturning it. And they are willing to do anything, as we are seeing, anything in order to get power back and in order to overturn the voice of the people. We cannot allow that to happen. If we do, we don't have a country. And she has announced that she's going to be voting no on the nomination, right? She has. She said she's going to vote no. And, you know, she was in a rare moment of candor, I must say. Uh, <laughs> Senator McCaskill uh, said that she was voting no because she thinks that Brett Kavanaugh, because it, 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 he's too conservative. He's a conservative judge. I mean, she said, you know, look, she she doesn't even pretend that she has been watching uh, the uh, or that she cares about uh, this terrible, disgraceful circus that they've created. She, she's let the mask slip and say, oh, no, I'm going to vote against him because he's pro-Constitution, because he's conservative. That's what this has been about all along. She was never going to vote for him, never. She was always going to try and stop President Trump's nominees, just like she's always been about trying to stop this agenda that the people voted for. And it, it just and we've seen that they are willing, and she is willing, to say and do anything, whether it's what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, whether it is the smear campaign they've been running against me in this Senate campaign. They will do anything, and this is what we've got to stand up and fight against. 
Well, so obviously, needless to say, if you were to have that vote, you would have been supportive of Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Though. Absolutely. I think he's an incredibly qualified judge. I mean, he's written, what is it, 300 opinions? Mm-hmm. It's really exceptional. That's a huge record. On the bench for all of these years, he's been affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court 11 times. But here's the most important thing to me. He's a pro-Constitution judge. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of judge I want. You know, there's only two kinds of judges, and I've had the chance to work at the Supreme Court. I've litigated at the Supreme Court. You know, I've represented this state in litigation at the Supreme Court, doing it now, and the cases that we've got there. And look, there's only two kinds of judges. Judges who believe in the Constitution as we the people wrote it, and judges who want to impose their own values from the bench. And here's the thing that I notice. The judges that get to imposing their own values from the bench They are never our values. Mm -hmm. Never. It is always the liberal media, the liberal coastal elite, the liberal donors. It's always their values every single time. That's who Claire McCaskill has voted for. She has voted time and time again for left-wing judges who want to do stuff like throw open our borders, who want to prevent the president from vetting people who come to this country, uh, who want to take away Second Amendment rights, uh, who want to impose regulations on farmers. That's what she's voted for. That's what we do not need. She's been wrong every time on the U.S. Supreme Court. I'll get it right. Well, we'll uh, try to dive into some of these issues that uh, you, you brought up and uh, a couple of others as well that are really important to our members our, across Missouri and agriculture. Uh, we've really been watching what's been going on over the past few months with the trade situation and the retaliatory tariffs that China has imposed upon American agricultural goods, specifically um, some of the ones that we grow here in Missouri, like uh, soybeans and, and pork. And uh, there's a, a huge long list of the things that they've uh, imposed tariffs upon at a time where we are having one of the lowest uh, farm income years that we've ever had. I think it's a 16-year low of net farm income that America is experiencing right now. Um, obviously, there's some people a little frustrated with the way that the tariffs have played out with the president imposing some of them and then um, the Chinese coming back at them, but they seem ultimate overall generally pretty supportive of the president's agenda. Uh, what, what's your take on it? You know, my take is, I mean, I think that this is a terrible situation. Our farmers are being retaliated against by China, who has been a trade cheater for years. And, and here's the here's the truth. We are in a trade war. I mean, we are. And uh, our farmers are getting targeted now as part of this trade war. Of course, farmers didn't start the trade war. The United States of America didn't start the trade war. China started this trade war. And they started it decades ago. And they've been pursuing it. They've been ripping off our consumers. They've been ripping off our farmers. They've been ripping off our middle class. And they've been doing it to build up their own economic strength, their industrial strength, and yes, their military strength. Mm -hmm. That has been their agenda for decades now. And then we've got so-called allies who've been willing to kind of go along with this and who've been trying to take advantage of our farmers and of our business people, uh, our, our workers as well for decades. So my view is if we're going to be in a trade war, let's win the trade war. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's not get ripped off anymore. Let's not just lay down for the Chinese. Let's win it. But I tell you what, to see the Chinese retaliate against our farmers, and as you say, at a time when, in, of course, in this state we've been in a drought, uh, it, it, farm, farm, the farm economy is in a tough spot. Uh, farm families, I mean, this is something, growing up in a farm family, you hear all the time. I know the ultimate worry of farm families is kids won't be able to come home to the farm because there won't be anything for them to come home to. Mm-hmm. So to have at this, at this moment, that is for us, a, it, is a, it is a very... Uh, sensitive moment. It is a moment when our farmers are in danger and in need. To have the Chinese retaliate against us in this time 
I think is just unconscionable. And so I think that, look, the president's done the right thing to come out and say we're going to support farmers. I thought that aid package is a good start. Of course, what we need is open markets on fair terms, and we've got to have it. Our farmers need it. They deserve it. I thought the step, the uh, trade deal, rather, with Mexico, uh, the new trade deal, is a great step forward. Of course, that's really important for us in this state. So many of our majority of our agricultural exports go to Mexico, our single biggest trading partner. Uh, we've got to get a better deal with Canada. We've got to get a better deal with the EU. We've got to get a better deal with China. So my uh, my encouragement to the administration is keep the pressure up and get these markets open on fair terms. But I am for a policy of strength not a policy of weakness and appeasement. Appeasement's gotten us nowhere. Mm-hmm. We've got to stand up for our farmers and our workers. Well, it has. We have seen some positive news over the past few weeks, too. As you mentioned, the Mexico deal, we've also seen an announcement this week from USDA that uh, we're going to be opening a, a trade negotiation with Japan, and that's a huge potential market yeah. that was part of the TPP that we are no longer in, yeah. but looking at those bilateral deals. So sounds like that's something that you would be supportive of. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely I am. I, I, th- I think the goal has got to be to find new markets, open up markets for our farmers and our workers to sell our mm-hmm. goods. But, uh, you know, in this state, I mean, let's not forget, agriculture is our number one industry. And as we were talking about earlier, it's not just an industry. It's a way of life. Right. So we have got to open up markets to our folks, to our farmers, on fair terms. And uh, I think we've made some progress in that uh, direction. We've got to make more progress. And we've got to send a message to these other countries, particularly countries like China. We've got to send a message that their days of ripping off the United States and also doing like they're doing now to our farmers. I think, well, we'll just turn this dial and we'll squeeze American farmers and then we'll get the United States to back off. again. We've got to send a message to them that's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And you cannot, if you take advantage of our farmers and you try to hurt them, which is what they're doing, we will hurt you in turn. Uh, they have got to get that message because we cannot be in a situation where our farmers are the focus of retaliation every single time some other country wants to take advantage of us. Yeah, and it's a politically sensitive sector. And yep. uh, we just heard yesterday that 40% of the retaliatory tariffs are on ag goods. Yeah. And that's not 40% of the economy. So right. it's definitely disproportionate. And it's no coincidence, as yeah, you point absolutely. out. I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence. It is a deliberate, targeted effort to hurt our farmers. Mm-hmm. So we've got to support our farmers. We've got to get those markets back open. But for these folks who are doing the hurting, I think we've got to send them a message. Don't hurt our farmers. You hurt our farmers, we're going to make you hurt worse. You need They need to enter into a fair and open trade deal with us mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Great. And an issue you brought up several times that I think is maybe more important to a lot of our members than that uh, direct agricultural policy is the rural way of life. Yeah. Uh, that's something that means so much to our members uh, because many of the people in Missouri Farm Bureau live in a rural area, even if they don't drive a tractor every day. Um, and one of the things that we hear about the most from our membership is healthcare. Mm. Uh, people think of us as just, you know, cows and plows, but actually the number number two issue uh, in a survey we did last year of our membership at our annual meeting um, was healthcare and access to it, yeah. the ability to get treatment as well as pay for treatment. Yeah. Um, so some of those things have, I know come up in the in this campaign, um, what are some of your thoughts on how to improve that for rural America? Well, it's, and I'm so glad you mentioned this. And you know, as a, as a guy who grew up in a in a rural town, of course, in Lexington, Missouri, over in Lafayette County, uh, rural health care access to it was something that uh, we lived and and depended on every single day. Uh, and you know, I know that in a personal way. Just when I was 12 years old, I was uh, I was a baseball player, having a baseball game, and and uh, sliding into home plate. 
I sliced open my knee. It was it was so bad. I didn't I didn't my body was in shock. I didn't know I'd done it originally. I sliced it all the way down to the tendon, cut open a tendon. It was one. I lost a tremendous amount of blood. Um, had to be rushed to the hospital, and we had you know our hospital there in, in Lexington. Um, they probably saved my leg. You know, uh-huh. saved my knee, my ability to walk. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a, it was a day. I'll never forget the look on my mother's face as they're <laughs> carting me out. I, blood is everywhere and they're, and, uh, you know, it's like, wow, what's going on here? But that, you know, look, our rural hospitals do that every single day, right? That's why they're there. You know, actually, this is a weird coincidence. I have only gotten stitches once in my life and it was at the hospital in Lexington. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got in a car wreck on I-70 with oh, my, my, my wife who we were just dating at the time, but completely totaled the vehicle we were yeah. in that I had owned for three days, which was great. Um, and smashed into the median at 70 miles an hour, got 19 stitches on my oh forehead, my but they rushed us in the ambulance up to Lexington. There you go. Treatment. There so, you go. Yeah. yeah. That Lafayette <laughs> County hospital there. So all that to say that this is, this is something that, uh, you know, people depend on all uh, every single day. Look, here's, here's where I think we are. Our, our healthcare system in the United States right now is a disaster and access to healthcare and healthcare prices. Healthcare prices in this state have gone up 145% since 2013. Wow. 145%. That is for one reason. And that's that, post-Obamacare. That it, that's because of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. It is because of Claire McCaskill and Obamacare. It is because of the fact uh, that this big government, big insurance collusion program, which is Obamacare, uh, is forcing Missouri families to pay the prices they simply cannot afford. And what I have people tell me all over the state as I travel is they come to me and they say, we cannot afford our health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we have to change plans constantly. Every time we do, our network of doctors gets narrower and narrower, and we can't afford it. So for Senator McCaskill to force this on Missouri families, and then to basically her response to them, as near as I can tell, is just to tell them to you know start to like it. I mean, shut up and learn to like it. You know, mm-hmm. is her response totally unacceptable? We've got to break up the big government, big insurance collusion scheme that is Obamacare. You know, these insurance companies. Look, I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. I have to be honest <laughs> with you. While Missouri families are paying 145 percent more in healthcare premiums, they are posting like record profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Obamacare has been big government welfare for insurance companies. They don't need that. They're they're rich. These insurance companies are. So it's time to get them off of welfare. It's time to make them compete for Missourians' business. We need to allow the states to regulate these insurance companies, not just the federal government where they're getting these sweetheart deals. We need to get the cost of health care down, more options for families. And you know what we also need to do is we need to mandate that we cover people, that insurance companies cover people with pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. And also, I think, young people on their parents' insurance up to age 26. Mm -hmm. Uh, They should be required to do that in the law. They should be forced to compete. And the states ought to be able to regulate them. Well, and you did bring up that issue about the pre-existing conditions. That's something we've heard a lot about in this campaign um, from Senator McCaskill's side. Um, what I, I know you've also uh, started to speak about that some more on the on the campaign trail and um, have some personal experience, I think, that has led to your position on that. You know, I, I it, this is a personal issue uh, for us, for my wife and for me. Earlier this year, we, uh, we found out that our uh, older boy, whom you know, mm-hmm. Uh, who's five now, started kindergarten this, this uh, fall. Uh, but we found that he uh, uh, has a rare uh, chronic disease. It's a, it's a bone condition mm-hmm. um, that uh, is a, it's a pre-existing condition. I mean, it, well, it's just been a journey for our family. We're still in the midst of it. Um, we're not sure exactly um, what this will look like in coming years for him. Uh, but this is something that we deal with every single day, mm-hmm. every single day. 
And so my position on this is I will never support taking away insurance coverage from folks with pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. I will never support allowing insurance companies or others to discriminate against folks with pre-existing conditions. However, Senator McCaskill, I totally disagree with her when she says, well, the only way to cover people with pre-existing conditions is Obamacare. Mm -hmm. That's just false. That is not true. That has caused these health care prices to soar. So now what she's doing is holding hostage people who have pre-existing conditions to Obamacare and to the left-wing agenda of her party. She should have a long time ago crossed the aisle to actually secure reforms. Republican senators were willing to make a deal. There were some Democrat senators willing to make a deal. If she had been, if she had done what she said she would do, if she had been independent like she said she would be, she should have crossed the aisle and gotten reforms that would have brought down the price of health care while continuing to cover people with pre-existing conditions. But she wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And now she says it's impossible. Now she says, no, 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 you have to have Obamacare and all of it. Uh, in order to cover folks. That is just not true. We have got to get health care prices down, cover folks with pre-existing conditions, and we can do both, and we have to. Well, another issue that is, is probably the, the next biggest issue for rural voters and for rural uh, constituents in America, especially in Missouri, is access to um, the same things that people have in the cities, especially the Internet. Um, that's something that Missouri's been way behind the eight ball on, we, uh, I believe, 62% of rural Missourians don't have access to broadband internet, and um, something that Mis Missouri Farm Bureau has been pretty uh, adamantly in favor of expanding that access. Um, what do you think the the role of the government would should be in doing that, and is there a role for it to play? Yeah, no, there absolutely is. Uh, both state and federal government. Uh, I'm encouraged that uh, in the in the new farm bill and the farm bill proposal, there are additional funds for rural broadband. Um, and there needs to be, uh, they need to do more. The federal government needs to do more and uh, in partnership with the state government to expand. I mean, you know, I think of probably right now as, as we're sitting here, Eric, there is a, a mother somewhere who's driving her, her kid, her boy or her girl uh, to a McDonald's, you know, or to the local public library so that they can get internet access, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get a start in their homework for this, uh, mm -hmm. for this weekend. We've heard a lot of those stories. They, and it happens everywhere, yeah. right? I mean, it happened, it happens everywhere. Um, all over our state, that should not be the case. Just because you live, you grew up in a town like I grew up in, just because you live in the country doesn't mean that you should not be able to have access to what has become one of the most important and, and, and basic things, access to the internet and the information. And not just for our kids, but of course for parents too. So I am for doing everything that it takes in order to get rural broadband coverage expanded all over the state uh, and uh, bring that quality of life to our folks. Yeah, and it is a quality of life issue as well. And it, like like you say, it really is um, the electricity of the, the 21st century. It is. It's, uh, you can't have a town without uh, access to the rest of the world now, uh, the way that you also couldn't have a town in the 1900s without electricity in 1985. You know, um, So we, we've seen the development of the Internet. That it's become not just a luxury, it's a necessity anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, al along the uh, lines of the government's involvement in things, there are some things that get a little too involved in, uh, from our point of view at least. Uh, one of those that we've dealt with a lot in the farming community lately is uh, overregulation through the Obama administration especially. They were a little bit um, uh, overzealous, it seemed, at, at times. And I know that You're you've dealt nice. with- You're too nice. Hey, it's, I'm, I <laughs> try to be kind, nice. right. Uh, but you've dealt with this a lot in your current position yeah. um, as attorney general, but I know that it would be an important um, part of being a member of the U.S. Senate is the oversight that 
you would have over regulatory agencies um, and also the writing the laws so that they don't have as much uh, authority in the first place is something that we would love to see some change on. Um, what are some of your experiences that you've had so far, and how do you think you'd treat it differently? Well, let's start with waters of the United States. I mean, let's mm-hmm. just take that as a perfect example of a regulation that has no basis in the law, no basis in the Constitution, and yet the Obama administration, egged on by the radical environmentalist wackos who, let's be honest, don't like farmers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that's farmers know this, right? I mean, we, we know this, that, that these, so many of these people who pose as environmentalists and say they, they care about resources in the land, no, they don't. What they really want is they want to wipe out the farming way of life. They mm-hmm. just, they don't like farmers. And they would just assume that we not grow any food in this country, that we not have any agriculture in this country, and we buy our food from other people. I mean, you talk about a, a, a national security disaster that that would be, not yeah. to mention the ruination of, of our way of living. So those folks have got to be stood up to, and the waters of the U.S. is a perfect rule. We went to court. I went to court as attorney general to fight that rule, to get it stopped. I was one of the happiest uh, days of my time as attorney general thus far was when the Trump administration announced that they were going to kill that rule, Mm -hmm. which is tremendous. But look, Senator McCaskill, she voted to keep it. Mm -hmm. She had the opportunity at the beginning to oppose it. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't stand up. She was with the environmentalists, with Obama. Uh, when she had the chance then to repeal it, she wouldn't vote to repeal it. I mean, you talk about selling our farmers down the river. And for what? I mean, I, I guess for the for the people that uh, give her money in California and New York and D.C., where most of her money comes from. But uh, we need somebody who's not going to sell out our farmers who understand what's at stake. And whether it's that rule, whether it's stuff like the uh, the critical habitat rule. Another, that's another land use regulation that would prevent our farmers from farming, uh, from using their land. I went to court as attorney general to stop it. Uh, that We need people who are going to go to the Senate and say, I am here to fight for our farmers and for our way of life. And I don't care how much you scream at me. I don't care how much you smear me. I don't care how much you try to, to ruin my life and my character like they've been trying to do uh, these, these Democrats for two years now to good people. I'm going to stand up and fight for our people. That's great. Well, uh, that is um, one of the things that I think people have been the most excited about with uh, the potential of having you win this seat is uh, you've shown it through some of your actions, especially as attorney general, that you really believe in that uh, regulatory approach uh, that you just laid out. Uh, one of the things that you you announced, I think, at our annual meeting last year uh, was regarding the, the egg lawsuit uh, with California's uh, attempt to kind of regulate what's going on in Missouri. Um, where are we with that, and what's been any progress you've seen? Yeah, this, I think, is such an important suit, and we have built a coalition of states to take on the state of California, led by us, to take on the state of California, because what they're trying to do, as farmers know, is that they are trying to, California is trying to tell our uh, poultry farmers uh, how they can raise how they can uh, uh, raise their chickens and their poultry, how they can egg production, how it can be managed. And this is just the thin end of the wedge. You know, if they if they succeed in this, and and by the way, they they California are trying to send inspectors into our state, onto Missourians' farms to look and see. Now, I always say, I, last time I looked, I didn't have any vote for governor of California or for the California legislature. And last time I looked. Those people weren't voting in this state. Mm -hmm. So one of the basic premises of our Constitution is no taxation without representation. Well, that applies here. Mm -hmm. These regulations are taxes, and we didn't have any say in them. And the Californians are trying to impose them on us. That is unconstitutional. So we've gone to the Supreme Court of the United States. We've asked the Supreme Court to intervene. You know, when one state sues another state, 
the Supreme Court gets first crack at it. It's what's called original jurisdiction. So we're at the Supreme Court right now. We've asked the Supreme Court to take up this case and, uh, and hear our side. Uh, we hope that the Trump administration will weigh in in support of us. We've asked them to do so. We're waiting for their response. Uh, but we're very hopeful, and I'll just promise you this. As long as I'm attorney general or have anything to say about it, we will fight this kind of unconstitutional regulation by liberal states to defend our farmers. Well, we appreciate that. <laughs> That's um, the type of, I think, uh, representation we need to have because uh, pushing back against some of these regulations is almost impossible um, from the average farmer's standpoint. There's nothing you can do other than comply uh, or go to jail, and those aren't good options a lot of times. Um, well, you have uh, just about, let's see, 39 days left until the election. Uh, what what do you see the race looking like right now, and uh, what are your plans between now and Election Day? What's the what's the strategy looking like? Well, the strategy is to, to, to continue to go to every corner of the state and to tell people we've got a big choice in November. We've got a choice between what Missourians voted for in 2016, to have a strong country, a strong America, where we secure our border, where we protect our farmers, where we stand up for our workers, where we get health care costs down. That's what we voted for. Or this radical left-wing agenda that Claire McCaskill and her allies want. And make no mistake, Missouri is the turning point. I mean, this is it. What happens here in this state is going to determine control of the Senate and what happens with this agenda. And you can see, again, you can see it right now in Washington, D.C. The Democrats are just braying for blood. I mean, they are willing to do anything. And if you if you want to know what our future is going to look like if they get back control, just watch what they've been doing these last few weeks and months. Just watch what they have tried to do to a good man in Brett Kavanaugh. Just watch what they have done to the U.S. Senate. Uh, it, it has been shameful and disgraceful. And that's what's on offer. You know, they're going to raise your taxes. They're going to go back to their uh, environmentalist wacko ways with their regulations on our farms and on our family businesses. Uh, they're going to throw open our borders. As Senator McCaskill, let's not forget, is sponsoring the most radical open borders bill in American history. She's sponsoring it. It's not just she's in favor of it. She's sponsoring it. So that's what they believe, and that's what she believes, and that's what's at stake in this election. Well, I think it would be nice to bring a little bit of civility back to the Senate. So we hope that uh, you can be one of the voices that can help to do that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate it. Thank Good you luck. for your support. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Attorney General Hawley. I hope you remember to get out and vote in November and support the candidates that Missouri Farm Bureau has endorsed and the ballot initiatives that we have endorsed. You can find a list of those on our website if you're curious. And we would love to have you subscribe to our podcast to listen every week as we discuss the issues important to Missouri and Missouri agriculture. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the Farm Bill and where it stands as it is, as it is expiring this weekend if Congress doesn't take any more action. So we'll give you an update of that and the latest developments with trade issues as well. So we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us.